Two scriptures today. First from Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 11. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are of earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. In a short verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What do you see when you look in the mirror? What do you see when you think about yourself? Who are you? If you wrote a movie about your life, what would be the defining moments? What would be those scenes in your life that just wouldn't make sense as your life without them? Today we're going to talk about the idea of identity. I've been doing some reading on this for some of my doctoral ministry work, and uh, it gets very interesting when you start talking about identity. There's been a lot of movement to try to study identity, both from psychologists and from sociologists, trying to understand how do people view themselves. That's really what an identity is. How do you identify yourself? How do you think about who you are and what you do? Now, this has huge implications for how you live your life, right? I mean, if I'm in a situation where uh, I need to react to someone and I see myself as passive and I see myself as a victim in certain circumstances, then, you know, when I go to relate to that, I'm going to relate passively and I'm going to relate as if I'm sort of helpless. But if I see myself as strong and in charge, I'm going to respond totally different, right? I mean, your identity has a huge impact on the way you relate to people. And there are different kinds of identities, and we all have sort of different identities. Some of our identities are personal. That's how I view myself personally. And some of that has to do with our childhood and how people talked about us and how we personally see ourselves. Some of our identity comes from our role, right? When I stand before you and I'm preaching, I'm in a certain role, and that's easy for it to become sort of my identity and who I am. It's a very different identity than the father identity, right? I don't preach at home. I don't know if you know that. I don't preach at home, okay? We don't lead liturgy all the time with everything I do. That's just not part of the identity. It has to do with the role and the function you play in certain situations. Some of your role is social, right? 
How do you relate to certain people? Well, it depends on how you're related to them, how well you know them. Your identity can change, can shift, can be, uh, can be related to other people. So you know me as a preacher. You might see me sometimes as a father and a husband. You probably have never seen me as a martial arts instructor. You've probably not seen me as a basketball fan, a little disappointed from some not great, good game, not great games last night. Um, there's, there's different parts of us, right? And there's different ways that we think about ourselves in different contexts. And if you don't believe me, have you ever tried to mix contexts or mix, friend, mix friends? Have you ever had work friends hang out with church friends? Or school friends hang out with work friends and you don't know quite who to be because you realize you're a little bit different. You play a different function in both of those groups. I mean, it, it gets complicated and it changes and it changes over time, right? Your identity is probably different now than it used to be when you were younger. In fact, the, the science behind it says that you confirm your identity in social settings. So one of the things you do is you check, you try to play out an identity in a certain context. And if it doesn't work, then you have to sort of reinterpret your identity. So if you're the boss and you're supposed to be in charge, but nobody's listening to you. Everybody had this situation? You're supposed to be the teacher or you're supposed to be the boss and nobody else is listening to you. Then you've got to assess that. And either these guys are, these guys are idiots and not following me when they're supposed to be, or maybe I'm not actually the leader. See, so you're, you're constantly negotiating based on feedback you get from the people around you how your identity works. That's partially how it changes over time. You start to realize, now that's not who I am. This is a little more who I am in this context. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul doesn't talk about identity the way they do in psychological terms today. Um, but I think, in a subtle way, this is a big part of Paul's teaching. How do you think about who you are? And for Paul, it's very important that we think about ourselves properly. So let's, let's try to sketch this out a little bit. What's Paul's view of who we are? Well, interestingly enough for us, a week after Easter, Paul's identity that you and I have as Christians are, are, is ultimately based on the resurrection. Ultimately, who you are is based on Christ coming out of that tomb and coming to life again. Why? Because for Paul, you die with Christ. Your life is over. And you are risen with Christ. You are born anew in Christ. Okay, now think about Paul talks about that being you died and you're new. Uh, Jesus talks about that being born again. The understanding of baptism is that you're buried with Christ and risen again. That's why in the early church you often changed your name when you got baptized. Because you're so, that's my old self and I'm being reborn anew. I need a new name for that. Before you, in your old self, you were a slave to sin, doing all kinds of bad behavior, all kinds of bad relationships. But when you're risen with Christ, you're made new. The old has passed away. The new has come. Now, Paul has a very interesting way of talking about this in his theology. It's not real clear in what we read, um, but in a lot of Paul's theology, he talks about the idea of being in Christ. And it's subtly in our verse the idea is that we are in Christ. Now, this is a little backwards for us. We tend to like to talk about Jesus being in us and in our hearts. And that's true. That's a biblical image. But the stronger image is that we're in Christ, that we're surrounded by Christ, that we now in Christ, we live in this swimming pool that is Jesus all around. Like we're consumed by Jesus. 
We're wearing Jesus. We're, it's a, he's all over us. Think about abiding in Christ. That we are united to Christ. That we're bound to Christ. That we're covered by him. I mean, the Bible has all kinds of ways of saying, no, 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 you're in this new place. You're surrounded by Christ, which makes you a new person. Now, for Paul, that means that that doesn't happen all at once. That's the tricky part. That we're made, we're in Christ, we're a new creation. But how many of you have days where you don't feel like you're a very new creation, right? How many of you have days where you feel like, I feel like the old self. I don't feel like this new self. Anger, malice, obscene talk. Like that's how I was on Thursday, right? Or whatever day it was. Because that's how we kind of are. And so for Paul, there's now this process. According to God, you're this new self. You're not the old self anymore. You're the new self. But what does Paul say? You've got to put off these things. You've got to put to death. So there's this process of, yeah, you're already holy. You're already righteous. You're already complete. And yet you've got to sort of walk into that. Okay? Not that you earn it. According to God, you're already that. But over time, you've got to become that. You've got to avoid the old things. You've got to be careful how you treat others. You've got to, you've got to, because another person might have Christ at work in their life too. Maybe when you knew them and they were younger, they were liars and they were cheaters and they were rude. But what is Christ doing in them now? It might be very different. So for Paul, this has huge implications for how you behave, how you treat other people, how you relate to community. For Paul, we have a new identity, an identity in Christ. And for Paul, all the other things that we tend to build our identity on, like our jobs and the way we look and how people think about us, those are all dead. Those are all less important and now in Christ defines who we are. It's interesting, when I think about Jesus, who also doesn't use the word identity the way that we would use it, but I wonder if this is a big part of Jesus' ministry. Think about all the people that Jesus meets that are trying to find their identity in being a Pharisee, in being a teacher of the law, in being a holy, being holy. Or they find their identity in their brokenness, that I am a leper, that I am blind, that I am broken. But Jesus says, walks around and constantly with his actions say, no, 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 no. Your identity is not that you're a Pharisee. There's something deeper. Your identity is not that you're a prostitute. It's not that you're a Samaritan. It's not that you are your illness, that you're blind, you're lame, you're weak. You're more than that, Jesus seems to say and seems to express to everyone he meets. Now, we have some problems with our identity in Christ. First of all, we've already alluded to this. We already talked about this a little bit. There's this process where we are that, but we're not that yet. We're still on this journey, this process of being made like Christ in our lives, putting to death that old self. And so we sort of live in both identities, right? We sort of live in both realities. And so often we don't feel like a saint and we don't feel holy and we don't feel Christ-like. And sometimes that tension is strong enough and prevalent enough in our lives that we have trouble even believing that we're new. We have trouble accepting that there's a new self, a new us. We can't see it sometimes because we feel stuck in our old self. Problem, another problem is, I think it's easier to have specific identities. It's easier and clearer to say, this is who I am at work. 
this is who I am in my relationships. I know important people, and I'm well-liked, and I have a nice house, I have a nice car. You know, it's easier. It's clearer, it's cleaner than saying I'm in Christ. It's hard to give those things up, too. If I've been defined so long by what I did for a living, or by who I know, or I know so many parents that define themselves by their kids. And so how they are as a person rises and falls with their kids or with their grandkids. But you are not your kids. And you are not your grandkids. And you've got to be able to rise above some of that. This is further complicated because our culture is really having a problem with this right now. We live in a world that's having a crisis about identity. We live in a world not that has a crisis about identity, but wants to make everything an identity. You are your political position. You are your gender. You are your sexual preference. You are your race. Those are your identities. You are the sports team you cheer for. You are the car you drive. You are the people you know, the neighborhood you live in. And unfortunately, even in the church, we get some of this. I am this kind of Christian, and I go to this church, and I have my identity in those things. You are the job that you do. And often people get stuck. They get injured. They get hurt. They get harmed in some way by somebody. They get wounded in their lives, and suddenly they are their wounds. They are the thing that happened to them when they were kids. They are the way in which they were wounded. But none of those things are ultimately identities. In fact, the problem with all those things is when you try to make them an identity, they become an idol. Identity always leads to idolatry. And your idols always let you down because they're not strong enough to support the weight of your life. They can't. They can't be that thing for you. They can't be God. They can't be ultimate for you. Your identities will always let you down. Now, I'm not saying that you lose all that stuff. I'm not saying that you lose all those pieces of who you are. That's, Paul's teaching on this often gets abused in our lives right now when he says there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, circumcised nor uncircumcised. Paul's not saying all those things go away. I mean, Paul stayed male. Paul stayed Jewish. Okay, he, he, that was part of who he was. What he was saying is all those other identities that I have in my life just became secondary. They get reordered and they get restructured under the main identity, which is who I am in Christ. Whenever we try to make those things primary, it doesn't work. But if I am in Christ, then suddenly all those other parts of me become beautiful. Because I'm a father or a mother or a grandmother or a grandfather I'm a plumber, I'm a pastor, I'm a teacher, I'm whatever I am, but I'm that in Christ. And now that becomes a mission under my larger identity. Beauty lets us down. You lose jobs. You don't make enough money. The car that's the car to drive this year is so last year when it comes next year, right? All those things let you down. The point is that you've got to have an identity that goes beyond those things. And this is where it gets really difficult. Because ultimately, if I have to find my identity in Christ, there's a humbling that takes place, right? Where I make him Lord and I am not Lord. Where I let him make decisions and I don't make decisions. And ooh, is that hard. One other thing I think. I think we are really also hard on ourselves. We tend to look at ourselves and see everything that's wrong, right? See everything that's not right, everything that's missing, 
every shortfall that we have, instead of having a perspective. Spike, I'm going to show this commercial. Um, this is a commercial for, for Dove Soap. And I'm sorry, I'm not necessarily trying to promote Dove Soap in front of you. But it's a commercial that shows really, I think kind of brings this issue together. So you ready, Spike? Isn't that powerful? Everybody wants to go buy Dove soap right now, right? Um, there's a longer version of it that gives even more detail, and it's a little hard to see on the screen. Uh, but re quick recap, right? You got this artist drawing women based on their description of themselves, right? And then doing the same thing with somebody else describing them. And the women are a lot harder on themselves than the other people are. And uh, what you can't quite tell on here, I don't think, that you can see a little more if it's on your computer screen or on your TV, is how much more accurate the picture that the other person describes is. Like, it actually looks like them. Instead of people, the people who drew, describe themselves, it, it never looks like them. It looks awkward. And you had some powerful stuff there, I think, about um, how we view ourselves and how hard we are on ourselves. Um, now, this, this commercial's uh, written, obviously, towards women. Uh, most guys don't care as much about their beauty. Um, yes, they do, somebody's saying. Depends on the guy. Um, some guys really do. Other guys, it, it depends on the person, right? I know, I know women for whom the beauty isn't, but the opinion of others sometimes is, or how people would describe their career or their success. We all have our stuff that we're dealing with. Now, this commercial gets wrong is I don't think beauty is a good thing to base your identity on either, okay? Beauty tends to let you down also. Um, but this commercial for me catches a couple really important things. First of all, did you catch how important the way you view yourself is? It really was saying, you know, for how, for how you relate to people and the jobs you take and the way you hold yourself, it's a big deal. But I also think that the commercial is really correct that we're hard on ourselves that we don't see ourselves accurately. And I think when it comes to us as Christians, this is especially true. We're really hard on ourselves, on the bad things that we've done in our past. It's like we don't find God wants to forgive us, and it's okay if I forgive other people, but man, I really don't want to forgive myself. I really want to beat myself up about everything that's wrong with me and everything that I'm not doing correctly. We worry about our old self too much. Let me tell you this right now. You are in Christ. You are a new creation. You're perfect. You're enough. You are saints before God Almighty. You are beautiful and you are valuable and you are significant. And if you're finding your identity in anything other than Christ, you're selling yourself short. You're selling yourself short. Now here's what we've been building to. I want to do a special communion today. And I want us as a group to experience some of this life transformation that's taking place. And so as you come up for communion, you're going to come up by the center aisle. And there are three mirrors here that say in sin. And there's all kinds of descriptors. And when you come up, you're just going to have to, we're just going to take our time. And you're just going to have to find a way to see yourself in the mirror. 
okay? And, and so you gotta kind of move around and wiggle, and I've got three, so maybe three or four of us at a time. We're just gonna, whatever, it's gonna have to work out. And what I want you to do is come up and look at yourself in the in-sin mirror, and you're gonna find all kinds of descriptions. Anger, ugly, broken, sinful, poor. I mean, you're gonna see all these words, some of which maybe you see yourself in, some of which you're not, that's okay. But you're going to actually see yourself in those words. Everybody seeing this? So I want you to take, take a pause. Take your time. Read over the words. Think about the, what words you would use to describe yourself in sin. What are the words you hang on to maybe a little too much? And then I want you to partake in communion. So you're going to have the bread. You're going to have the juice. You can take at your own leisure. And, and at each table... There's a used tray, so when you take your drink, then you can just put the, the used cup in there. And there are also mirrors on this table. One of the things that uh, sometimes happens in the communion is sometimes communion is actually served off of mirrors. And the theology there is that when we look at this table in a special way, in a way that God promises about really nothing else, we are present. We are taking up, taken up into God's presence. And so you look at those mirrors, you kind of be reflected and reminded that you're in a special way in God's presence when you partake of this. And I think also this helps represent for us why we are changed. It's because of the blood and the broken body of Jesus. And then I want you to find there's two other mirrors on each side. And you, you, you're going to have to just adjust because you've got to kind of stand back away from the mirrors to be able to see yourself in the in Christ mirrors. And I want you to read over those words as you're looking at yourself in the reflection and say, that's who I am now. Everybody got this? So it's going to take a little bit of time. We're just going to let it unfold. That's okay. Um, Anybody questions? Everybody's all right? When Jesus was talking to his disciples on Monday Thursday, he had to have known the huge identity crisis they were about to go through, right? And they had to know, he had to know, how much this moment was going to change them. Change them. And so he took that bread, we had given thanks and blessed it, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, saying, this is my body broken for you. And he took the cup, Poured it, gave it to his disciples, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This is my blood shed for you. Let us pray. Lord, as we enter this communion time, may it be a special time. Speak to us through this process. We pray. Prepare us. Amen. Um, I have to get the table ready. I have to move this out of the way. And I'm putting music on. So let's take a few moments of just silence. We'll just let it be silent for you to prepare your hearts and minds. And as the music begins to play, that'll be your cue to start.